Well, welcome, church. Sunday night, APD. If you have questions, send it to askpastordon at cdview.org. Here's a question that came in, and I can remember thinking about this when I was doing my theological studies. Pastor Don, I've always had a very hard time with the different accounts of the resurrection of Jesus in the Gospels, the names of the witnesses at the grave, and the number of the witnesses is different in almost every account. I'd always been raised to believe the Bible is inspired and inerrant, but these accounts have really shaken up my trust in the scriptures. Can you please explain these discrepancies? That's a great question. Um, the only way to do it, and I, I, I know it takes a little time, I want to read the accounts. So we'll look at each of the gospel accounts. It doesn't take that long to read them. And we'll notice the kind of differences that this questioner was, uh, was asking about. Here's the accounts as they stand in the gospels. So first, let's start with Luke. Luke 24, 1 to 12. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek, seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. And returning to the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now here's the, the important part. Verse 10, now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women who were with them, who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter ran, rose, ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, and he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Okay, that's Luke's account. Mark is a little, sh Matthew's is a little shorter. Let, let's read his. Matthew 28, 1 to 7. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Behold, there was a great earthquake. Okay, and that, that finishes uh, the important details for our study in that account. Now, Mark. Here's what Mark says, Mark 16, 1 to 3. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying one to another, who will roll away the stone for us at the entrance of the tomb? That's Luke, Matthew, Mark, now here's John. John 20, just two verses, 1 and 11. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. But Mary stood, weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. Okay, I edited a little bit just for the sake of saving time, but you can see 
you can see uh, the difference in John's account is the way Mary witnesses the empty grave of Jesus in two stages, actually. First, she comes, she sees the empty tomb, then she runs to tell Peter and the disciples, and then all alone, apparently, she encounters Jesus himself, has this conversation with him, thinking that he's a gardener. So let's just recap. Here's what we have in these three accounts. The number of witnesses varies in each account. Luke has at least five. We know that because he names three, and then he adds the other women, plural. So three plus at least two, and maybe more. He has at least five. Uh, Matthew has only two. Mark has three, and John lists one. So that, there's a lot of difference there. Let's notice the second thing. The names of the witnesses are different in some cases. So Luke lists uh, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James. That's what Luke says. Matthew lists Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Mark lists Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome. John's account is unique in mentioning only Mary Magdalene twice. So I think our questioner has a good point. There are differences in each gospel account, and there's nothing gained in pretending the differences aren't there. We've, we've got to find something different to work with. The real question, I think, is just how troubling is this? So, so are these variations, are they uh, a threat to our doctrine of the inspiration of the New Testament? And if we're saying they aren't a threat, then how are we going to reconcile them? Years ago, a book that I read that helped me greatly, uh, in 2008, Richard Buckham wrote a fabulous study on the resurrection of Jesus. It's just called Jesus and the Eyewitnesses. I'm not recommending it to everyone. It's not a light read. I don't think everyone would enjoy it. But it is an important book, Jesus and the Eyewitnesses. So to this day, I actually think it's the best reckoning of the different accounts of the witnesses at the empty grave. And I like his explanation. He has two things that he stresses. First, point number one, the writers of the gospel accounts named witnesses who were known to them personally. So because of the importance of the resurrection, each gospel writer wanted the testimony to be weighty, the testimony he used to be weighty, to be certain, much like you and I would do, they gave the most prominence to the witnesses with whom they had a certain relationship of trust. We do it ourselves. We'll say, go ask Joe. If Joe said it, it's true. I know Joe, he's an honest, level-headed guy, as honest as they come. If Joe said it, you can bank on it. So when we want reliability, we go with experienced trust. Relationships matter. Now, now stay with me here for a minute. This is where we see the benefit, I think, of multiple gospel accounts. So we know for certain that this explanation of the writers selecting witnesses they knew best, we know it's credible because at least the account of Luke 
makes it obvious that no account claims to give the name of all the witnesses. Luke makes it clear. He, he lists three, and then he says, there were other women on top of this. That's what Luke says. Other women along with any who were named. So some sort of selection process was used by the gospel writers, and that's the best explanation for the varied names and numbers in each of the accounts. There's another detail that I think is even more relevant for our high view of the trustworthiness of Scripture. Point number two. It is to be emphasized that all of the accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of the accounts trace the first testimony of the resurrection of Jesus. They trace the first testimony to women. That might not mean much to us, but various scholars are quick to point out that this never should have happened because in that culture, the testimony of women was given no official status. I'm sorry, it's just the way it was. It was simply not the place for women to be witnesses. It's, this is even more, more crucial in the account of Matthew. Matthew, the most obviously Jewish of all the gospel records. So under Jewish law, three witnesses were required, and never women. Matthew says there were two witnesses, not three, and both of them were women. So my point is, Matthew refuses to bend his account to fit the times. So, so this is at least part of the explanation for the reaction of the male disciples when these women came with their testimony. Luke 24, 10 and 11. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. So these women witnesses come back to these male apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. And they did not believe them. So at first... We're thankful for the way Christianity, right from its earliest days, elevated the place of women in every way. But that's not the only point we need to notice right now. Richard Bockham raises the real point, and it's this. If the writers of the New Testament were trying to beef up their gospel accounts artificially, they would never have recorded them the way they did with women as witnesses. They would never have done that. There is nothing in these accounts that would be easily handled by that culture. These accounts don't have the feel of being airbrushed to suit an audience. These writers were simply recording things as they happened, not the way they were supposed to have happened. See, if you're composing a fairy tale once upon a time, you can put the story together any way you want. But if you have facts to deal with, you have to put them in. Truth has to come before political correctness or cultural custom. Facts don't always fit into our mind, into the story, the way they're supposed to fit. Facts can be very stubborn things. Now, let me give you an example from the other extreme. Here's a classic example of false gospel writing. 
It wasn't all that long ago that the world, even the Christian world, was getting all abuzz. I can remember even in this church, people talking to me. The world was all abuzz with Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code. And this novel was all about the way the four Gospels that we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they, they, they were distorted records. Uh, there were more reliable records than the ones we have in our New Testament. Particular mention was given to the Gospel of Thomas. There was big fuss about it. So the novel placed the Gospel of Thomas on a higher level than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, listen to how the Gospel of Thomas winds up. So here's the closing conversation between Peter and Jesus in the Gospel of Thomas. Quote, Simon Peter said to him, let Mary leave us, for women are not worthy of life. Jesus said, I myself shall lead her in order to make her male, so that she too may become a living spirit resembling you males. For every woman who will make herself male will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's the kind of story you get when culture dominates facts, when facts don't rule when facts don't create the story. So I believe we should all thank God for the honest, honest uh, rough and tumble truth that shapes the gospel accounts of the New Testament. So here's my answer after all that work. Are there differences? Absolutely. There are explanations. But this issue doesn't cause me to doubt the inspiration of scripture. In fact, far from it, the accounts stand up just as they are, they are a strong testimony to the reliability and inspiration of the Bible I read every day and the one you carry to church. Never doubt it, church. Thank you, Lord. We're grateful for your word. We're grateful for the ring of truth, as J.B. Phillips used to call it, the ring of truth in the way the accounts are put together. Thank you that it stands up to study. It stands up, it's reliable, and it's life-changing. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you have a great rest of the evening. God bless you, church. Love one another.